0: All right, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That's all we're going to cover tonight. Let me read these two verses to you, and then we'll break them down. It says, His, meaning God's, divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now this is as far as we're going to get, because as you'll hopefully be about to see, there is so much here in these two verses that we may not even have time to cover all that we have just in those two verses. So, uh, But in order for us to really dive into this section tonight, I want us to look at the end of verse 4. Look at the the last part of verse four where it says, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want you to hear at the beginning of our study tonight that what we're looking at is not Peter talking about what things are going to be like in heaven. He's talking about how things should be here on the earth. Do you see it? That you would escape in this world the corruption caused by evil desires that actually everything we're going to be looking at tonight in the next few weeks as we break down these verses that talk about for this very very reason add to your faith such and so goodness and knowledge and self-control and so on as we study these as we look at them please understand what we're looking at here is instruction for christians on things that should be applied in this life and so don't just read into it and say well that's all going to happen when we get to heaven no 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 This is talking about now. Alright, so with that understood, let's go back to verse 3 and see. It says that God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Alright, we're just going to stop right there. I'm going to repeat this because I want you to let this sink in. And then I'm going to take you through a lot of scriptures to kind of hammer this home. Peter says, you don't need a second filling. Did you see what he says here? God's divine power... Has already given you everything you need through life for life and godliness through our knowledge, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But see, there are those out there in Christendom today that will tell you you need to have another experience. That after salvation you need to have a second filling or a deeper experience, or there needs to be some kind of an experience that you have that really gives you the deeper life. And you know what, there's a lot of people out there that will share their stories and their personal experiences and this happened to me and that happened. And what I want you to see, and you're gonna see this from scripture, is that the Bible teaches that you already have everything you need. Don't fall prey to somebody's experience. Don't fall prey to somebody's teaching about how, well, I went to this guy and he prayed for me, or I went to this special service and this happened. Look closely what the scripture says. God's divine power has, past tense, given you everything you need for life and godliness. So what I want to do is I want to back this up a little with scripture, not just take one passage. I want you to go with me back to Ephesians chapter 3. Now we're going to look at four different passages and I want you to understand. Some of them are going to be familiar, but I want you to read them now with this in mind. The fact that God is saying that you already have everything that you need within you because of who you are in Jesus Christ and because of the fact that Christ is in you. Ephesians chapter 3, listen to verses 14 through 21. Listen closely to what, what Paul says. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, ...or imagine, according to His power that is has worked within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now look, look closely at what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I want you to understand what you already have. My prayer is that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would begin to experience and understand the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of the love of God that is already yours in Christ Jesus. And that you would understand this love that surpasses knowledge... That you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now, if you read that, it sounds like, well, I don't have all the fullness of God. Well, that's why you need to build your doctrine and your theology with the whole of Scripture, not just one verse. What he's saying here, and I'll prove this in a couple of passages coming up. What he's saying here is, is you've already got all of God. You need to dive into what you have. And this will become clear in our study of Peter in just a little bit. So just stick with me here on this. But you need to dive into to understand what you have. And when you do that, the fullness that you already have will be understood. All right. Are you with me so far? All right. It's going to take a little bit, but it's going to begin to sink in. I'm going to hammer it home over and over. Listen to Ephesians 2, though, verses 15 through 23. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. I'm actually looking at the wrong passage here. Yep, I think it's, I might have wrote, it might be Colossians here, hang on. It's, it's Ephesians, I think that's Ephesians 1, I'm sorry for that. Yep, it's Ephesians 1, I wrote down two in my notes, but it's, it's, it's one, Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 23. For this reason, Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and is incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Again, look at what Paul's saying. I'm praying that your eyes would be open, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? You see it right there. That you may know him better. In other words, Paul says, I don't think you yet understand who lives in you. And I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would understand who's in you and that you would know him better. And then he goes on and says that you would also understand the power that is at work within you. And he says, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Now, I have to be honest with you, that boggles my brain, but I started thinking about this as I've been kind of studying on this passage and, and wrestling with it. I, I took some time and I just sat and thought about the power of God and the universe and what it, how he can just speak it and everything that we can't even understand and fathom or even measure was just created because God just spoke the word, the power that he has. And then the Bible says that that power is in me. And we run around with such frail, weak, timid, fearful lives. Is it because we don't have Christ's power? No. It's because we really don't understand what we have. And we haven't taken the time to allow God, and you're going to see through tonight's study, it's through our effort of study and prayer and digging into what his promise does. We haven't taken the time to put the energy into really coming to realize what you've been given. It gets even more clearly. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. And I am sure it's Ephesians chapter 1 this time. Look at what it says in verse 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, listen, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did you, is he said he's going to bless us with every spiritual blessing? Yes. He already has. Folks, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. According to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and especially Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, are you lacking anything right now? No. No. But now, is the fact that you are living with the fullness of Christ and God within you being manifest in your life and in my life today? No. It really isn't. And we're going to get to in time why. So let's just look at one more passage. Go to Colossians chapter 2. You're in Ephesians and you've got Philippians. Go to Colossians chapter 2. This is the last. I say this one for last because it can't get any more clear than this. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verses 9 and 10. For it says, In Christ, in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity, that's God, lives in bodily form. And you have been given what Full. fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Christ, all the fullness of God himself lives right now in bodily form. And you, because Christ is in you and you're in Christ and he's in the father and you're swimming in him. You have been given fullness in Christ. Go ahead. You've got it all already. Do you understand why it's sad that too many Christians are falling prey to those preachers out there will say you need this other experience to receive the fullness? They'll say that you need to do this, or you need to you have already received all you have need of in Jesus Christ. Now, the fact that you don't know it, the fact that you're not experiencing that is going to be made clear as we look at our study through Peter. Peter deals with that. Go ahead, Duke have all that you want to receive it's all there but you have you've got to get the stuff from this world out of you so that the rest of it can come in that's going to be made clear in time it's not that it'll come in it's already in because christ is in you it's there now, you it. that's a great way to put it. That's actually a word I've been looking for. I've been thinking of a lot of different words. To I think the access would be the word I'm going to use from now on. I hate the fact that it's your word. But, uh, but uh, uh, that one actually will probably help me with all the words I've been wrestling with to try to use. Actually, it's Bill Gates. It's Bill Gates? No. <laughs> that makes it worse. Don't, don't do that. All right, listen closely before Duke gets us derailed here. The issue isn't that you need more of God, folks. The issue is not that you need more of God. The issue is that you need more knowledge of what you have. And then you're going to see in time, knowledge of what you have is not enough you need to access it. And we're going to get to that as well. But I need to take some time now to deal with this word knowledge. Because of the fact that, going back to 2 Peter, flip back to 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge... Of him or of Jesus or, or God. OK, listen closely. We're going to have to really take a look at this word knowledge and I'm going to begin to look at it tonight. I'm going to touch on some verses that are coming up that we're not going to go into too much detail, but we have to look at some verses that we're not going to even get to tonight to help you understand this, because I really came to realize before we could go any further we have to really start looking at this word knowledge. We saw it last week. We showed all the different places that he kept using the word knowledge. And if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that Peter most likely was dealing with Gnosticism, it's early stages, that were starting to creep into the church. And if you remember the Gnostics were a group of people who said that salvation came to those who had this special knowledge. They came to understand the difference between flesh and the spirit and matter versus the spirit. And there are all these different branches of Gnosticism and the way they would deal with that false teaching. But the essence of what they taught was, if you have this special knowledge, that's how you receive enlightenment or salvation. It's not through faith in Jesus Christ. It's really just understanding the difference between flesh and the spirit. And once you had that special knowledge, then you would be able to understand and to rise above this world and all that kind of stuff. So Peter is probably dealing with this aspect that has started to creep into the church. And he uses a very interesting word here in verse 3. He also used it again in verse 2. In our English Bibles, it just says knowledge. The Greek word is epignosis. Now, typically you'll find the word gnosis, g-n-o-s-i-s, gnosis, meaning knowledge. But Peter doesn't use the word gnosis, which means knowledge. He uses the word epignosis, which means full knowledge. In other words, a definition of that kind of knowledge means a knowledge that is complete, not lacking anything, and there's nothing that can be added to it. In other words, Peter says, don't fall prey to the false teachers who said that you need to have this special knowledge. Through your relationship with Jesus Christ, you have received full knowledge. Yes, ma'am. Mine says true knowledge. True knowledge is a good one, but I'm still not sure that's the best translation of it because, and, 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 and true knowledge is good, but the picture you'll see in a second is a picture of complete knowledge, not lacking anything. Again, His divine power has already given you everything you need for life and godliness through your epignosis, full knowledge that has come through Jesus Christ. Now, The interesting thing though is, okay, if that's the case, if Peter is right and he says that we've received epignosis, we've received this full knowledge because of Jesus, why in verse five does he tell us to add to our faith goodness and then to add to our goodness what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Why if this is true that we have received full knowledge, a complete knowledge in Jesus Christ, Why do we need to add knowledge if we've got full knowledge? Do you understand? And I see your wrinkled foreheads and I'm glad that means you're wrestling with this. And trust me, I've wrestled with it, too, to be really honest with you. And I'm going to answer that question in a second. To be honest with you, this passage in Peter that we're going to be breaking down over these next few weeks has been one of the places in Scripture that I've had one of the most problems with because I understand my fullness in Christ. I believe that in Christ Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And I've been given fullness in Christ. I understand that. Yet at the same time, the Bible says that I'm to make every effort to add to what I've gotten goodness and add knowledge and add self-control and add these things. When the Bible, I thought at some places said that that was just gonna be a manifestation of the spirit. Yet I'm to make every effort to add to it. And we're going to answer that as we go into this study. But for tonight, just for the purposes of clarifying what he's talking about here, and this goes back to what Duke was talking about, he doesn't use the word epignosis, though, there in first, first, second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He uses the word gnosis. All right. He's been saying in Christ, we well back to verse two, grace and peace be yours in abundance through your epignosis or the knowledge, full knowledge doesn't lack anything uh, of God, through, of Jesus, of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our epignosis, complete knowledge, if you will, of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But in verse five, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness and to goodness gnosis. He changes the word here. He doesn't say epignosis. He says, I want you to add knowledge now. In other words, well, the, the Greek word gnosis means a knowledge gained through digging, experience, study. You put effort into learning this type of knowledge. It doesn't just come to you. You have to work for it. Those of you who have ever been to class or studied or learned something, you had to research, you had to dig, you had to wrestle with it, and you gained knowledge. This is what the word gnosis means. It's knowledge gained through digging, that kind of a thing. In other words, you already have all that you will ever need in Jesus, all right, who's in you. But we must intentionally look into and then know experientially what we have in Christ even though we've already been given everything we need for life and godliness, we must put the effort into getting to know all that we have. And I've been thinking of ways that we could illust- I could illustrate this to you. Here's a simple one that hit me last night when I was wrestling with this and talking with Tony as he and I were doing a study together about this. Imagine as a kid, you've got this huge toy box just full of toys. And let's just say, hypothetically, that every toy that you'll ever need is right there in that toy box. And it's full. Does that mean you know what every toy in that toy box is? No. If it's crammed full of toys, and they're all yours, and every toy you'll ever need in your life is in that toy box, what's the only way you're going to ever really get to know and use and enjoy all that you have already been given? Search. Search dig, start pulling it out piece by piece. Wow, look at that. By the way, back before I was trying to lose weight, which I have been in the process of doing, um, I used to go to the buffet this way. You see, because I used to pile it on my plate so much, when I got back to the table, it was exciting. You'd forgotten what you'd put on the bottom level. It's like, wow, I didn't know they had ribs. That's great, man. You know, but I don't eat like that anymore. So, but, but in the same way, there is this picture of okay you've gotten all knowledge you don't need some special knowledge you don't need to go to some seminar and get some secret knowledge because of jesus being jesus and because of jesus being fully god and because god is fully living within you you got it you're not lacking anything everything you need is already there but that doesn't mean that you have access Unless you take the time to dig. You take the time to read and to study. And that's why Peter says, make every effort yourself. Go ahead, Jim. This may be a dumb question. That's fine. uh, Exactly what are we talking about when we say knowledge here? we, We become Christians and we take the act of salvation. That doesn't give us a whole lot of knowledge. No. And what is is knowledge? And see, and, and, and to be honest with you, it's going to be hard to answer that question for this reason. If you were to even just in our human definitions of knowledge, in our English definitions of knowledge, you've got intuitive knowledge. There are things you kind of just know intuitively. There are things you study. There are things that are just uh, told you. You understand what I'm saying? There's so many different levels. That's why it's even hard for us to, even to deal, with it, deal with this. That's why the best I can do to answer your question is to say what Peter is saying is you're not lacking anything. There are people out there that are saying they've got the secret. Don't believe them. In Christ, everything you need to know or to experience is already in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You could call that knowledge, you could call that whatever you want, but because of our English definitions and there being so many different types of knowledge, it's kind of hard, you know? And that's why a lot of times preachers will say, Do you know that you know that you know that you know? You know, well, how many no's are we talking about here? You know, the word know is kind of hard for us. You know, you could say I think it's I I understand what you're saying. I think it's deeper, though, than your commitment to Christ, because whether I'm committed to Christ or not, I already have, if he's in me, everything I need. And that's what he's going to be saying later on. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Go with me real quick to second, Peter. Uh, Look at what he says after he deals with these things. He wants us to make every effort to add to look at what he says in uh, um, verse eight. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, that's the epignosis again. But if anyone doesn't have these things, goodness, knowledge, self-control, so on, brotherly love, kindness and love, if anyone doesn't have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. In other words, he's saying, if if you're not fully committed to christ you're ignorant of what you already have you understand what i'm saying so this knowledge is really a word that he's using to combat the gnostics who are saying you need a special knowledge and then you're okay so he uses their word but he puts this word epi in front of it and says epic you've got full knowledge already so don't fall prey to the false teachers Don't fall prey to the false teachers that say, you need to have this experience or you don't have the fullness of Christ. Don't fall prey to the false teachers who say, let me put my hands on you or breathe on you and you fall down. And then you'll have a don't fall prey to that, folks. You already have the fullness of God living within you. You're lacking nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that you're experiencing it. That doesn't mean that you're having access to it. Because God has set it up that he's given us this wonderful gift in Jesus but he wants us to open it, to dive into it, little by little to have him reveal to us as we study. I saw a hand somewhere a second ago. Go ahead. And I was also thinking at this particular time when Peter is speaking, there is no word, there is no Bible. So really what they're drawn from and what Peter is drawing from is from... Well, I would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would change that to say they did have a Bible. They had the whole Old Testament and actually some of these books that we have were already starting to be written. This wasn't the first one written. So some of these other letters were already passing around. So they did have some of the writings and you're going to see later in this study of Peter that he actually references some of the letters of Paul. So they did have some scripture. They did. But hey, it had nothing to do how early they were. We're just as susceptible today. There's lots of false teachers out there today who'll tell you. They get the latest thing and, and here's what it really is. And Oh, you don't need that. All you need is this. And we, you've got to know the Word. You, so I want, what I want you to hear is this. Don't fall prey to someone saying, this is what you're lacking. If you're in Christ and He's in you, you're not lacking. You now need to take the time to do the study in the Word to find out what it is that you have been given. And once you... Have access to it through knowledge that God gives you through His Spirit. Remember, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ, He's within you. That's when you'll begin to experience this full knowledge. Remember what Paul prayed? Pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you'd come to realize all that is already within you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. The fact that, well, No weapon formed against you can stand. That the same way in which Jesus lived without fear and without worry and without anxiety, the way that he was able to follow the spirit and the father's plan, and he was able to keep right on course in the midst of temptation, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of being tired, in the midst of all that stuff. He was able to live in a way which was supernatural, was he not? That same Jesus lives in you. Now, yeah. does that happen? I'll get right to you, Fred. Does that all happen tomorrow? Your, your, your full knowledge become experience? No. It's a process. That's why he's saying to you, make every effort. Go ahead, Fred. If I understand what you're saying. If you do, we can go home because that means everybody else has already got it. <laughs> yeah, that means everybody, everybody else has already got it if you've you got it. So go ahead.
1: All right, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and in uh, verse three, is that an
0: innate knowledge that you are actually born with? No. Uh, whoa. Not at all. You're talking Second Peter chapter one verse three. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's the epignosis. That it's not an innate knowledge that you're born with, because that is only a knowledge that you co- you get through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're not born with that. Unless you talk in your rebirth. You're born again. In your born again birth. Yes. Now I'm going to get it more from the viewpoint. That it was an in the sense that it is not a, as we would say, a school learning. Right. right. But it is a learning that you receive in your progression of spiritual awareness. Nope. Not at all. Because what he's saying is, is you've already got it. Now, all the knowledge you need is there, but But you have to get it out. Right. But but it's already there. It's already there. I know this is hard for us because of our English word knowledge and knowing and all that kind of stuff. It's because Christ put it there. Go ahead, Andrew. That's not a bad way to put it. I mean all that information was already there. That's that that's pretty good. Okay, Jim? I was just gonna say if you take a look at geometry, Mm -hmm. there are theorems there. There are laws in mathematics that are there. Uh, the issue is, is as you grow older, you grow into a new law, but it's always been there. But it's still not yours until you know how to use it. I I guess I would go yes. The only problem is, is me and math work so bad any math illustration hurts 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 my head. <laughs> That's right. Alan's, Alan's next. Go ahead. How do you match what you're saying with the story in Acts about Apollos mm-hmm. who, who spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately when he knew only the baptism of John? Right. In that situation there, he actually believed in, in Jesus in a sense. But he still the baptism of John was a baptism of what is the baptism of repentance from your past way. The baptism of Jesus was I'm putting my full faith in Jesus Christ. Apollos was still out there preaching good works. And he was a great teacher. But that's why the believers had to come and say, man, you are man, you're gifted. That's wonderful. But you're lacking in an understanding. So I lean toward the fact that Apollos didn't have a full knowledge. He taught about Jesus accurately. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people that can talk about Jesus accurately, but that doesn't mean they know him. Correct? Satan can talk accurately about Jesus. He doesn't want to. And he'll most likely lie. But it's possible to have knowledge about Jesus and teach accurately, but not have epignosis, that relationship. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Maybe this is a little too. Learn in in, um, Proverbs chapter 8 that Jesus is wisdom. Mm -hmm. He's wisdom. The Spirit is wisdom. And what his divine power is, is the Spirit. And the Spirit dwelling within us has given us everything we need for life and Godliness to grow in our knowledge of Christ. Because the Spirit reveals things to us as we are ready for them. Just like a parent only tells the child what they need to know at the time. God is going to reveal to us what we need for growth at that point in our life. And and I would would say that's excellent. The one tweak I would put on it is this. If I'm not wanting to listen, he can reveal it all he wants and it won't do me any good. Do you understand what I'm saying? But yes, I think that's good. Marge. Do we even know what we know until we appropriate it? I would agree. I don't think we do. So it's just cerebral um, until we actually face a problem in which we... I would agree 100%. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, ask some of you people here who have experienced hardship in your life. Loss of a loved one. Sickness. Dealing with cancer. You knew of God's love. You knew of God's reality. You knew of God's presence. But you didn't know like you knew through that trial. Correct? That's mm-hmm. what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Wait a minute, what are you saying you want to know Christ? You already have Christ, the fullness of Christ. You're the one that said that you've already got all of Christ. Yes, but then he said, I want to know Christ. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And in those times, you experience a deeper understanding of what was already there, but it's not appropriated until that time. Agreed. But you also could go through that trial and totally ignore Christ and push him out of the way, or run from him, and not experience what already was there and has always been there. Bill. A little bit further than that, for uh, knowledge and know. Mm-hmm. You know, there's adverbs adverbs, and there's uh, uh verbs and things. Over in chapter John 8, 8, verse 55, and this is Jesus speaking. Speaking to the people, and you said, Yet you have not known, and that word is genosis. Mm-hmm. Genosis, yep. And that word means progressive. Right. You, to know. you have not known him, but I know him, and that word is the word ego, e I D O. Right. means full knowledge. You it's that word. Right. Right. Trust me, I, I'm, I'm only giving you all the Reader's Digest and barely the Cliff Notes of the Reader's Digest version. If you want to do a study of knowledge throughout the Bible, it'll hurt your head. Remember, there's five words for love. We translate love. There's phileo love. There's eros love. There's all these different types of love. That's what makes it so hard. What kind of love are you talking about? It's the same thing. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? That's why. Go ahead. Right. The Greek language is so much more thorough and uh, beautiful than the English language. And if you just take reading your Bible and not digging into words, you're, you're never going to see the message. Like, Jesus himself uses the word knowledge, but it means full. Right. And he may use the word no for somebody else, but it doesn't mean that. So it's just... Well, there's also intimate knowledge. There's like, for example, Adam knew his wife, Eve. Right, right. You know, there, 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 there's so many different types. So I guess for, for our sake, the simplest way to put it to you is this. Peter is saying you already have everything you need in Jesus Christ. Don't be susceptible to anybody saying here's what you're lacking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Go ahead. OK. As we're studying this is. A little bit intellectual here. All right. Christianity is very simple so that every man can understand it. So my question is for people who can't not read the way most of us can, mm-hmm. I believe that coming to the full knowledge of Christ is being as a child. When you pray, when you read it's still like when the day you receive Christ into your life, you still have to come into that same way. To understand what you want you to know. Well, I would agree that in the access part of it. Right. In the access part of it. But as a child, were there things that were available to you that your parents knew, but they were available to you? Yes. In the same way, in your relationship with God, and it's even deeper than this because He lives within you now. Everything you need to know is there. If anyone lacks wisdom, James chapter 1, verse 5 says we are to ask wow. and God who gives generously liberally will make it known to you and so I want you to understand is all of Pe- for the most part what I, I hate to say all that Peter is saying but but for the most part all that Peter's saying here is his divine power which lives in you because of Jesus has given you everything you need for life and godliness now we need to move forward in this because I don't want you to miss what was promised to us. And we're going to, by the way, we'll deal with this knowledge thing a whole lot more when we get to first, second Peter chapter one, verse five. So I didn't even mean to get into it that much, but we did. And that's the way it is. So, all right. But look, look at what he says here. His divine power has given us everything we need for what? For life and godliness. We, well, we're not going to go there. John Ten Ten. 10, Jesus said he's come that we might have life and have it to the full or abundantly. But I'm going to ask you some honest questions, and I want you just to be honest and just deal with it. And I'm not, this is not to make you feel bad. This is not to, to do anything but just to just speak truth. Here it is, the scripture is saying that Christians, because of Jesus living within us, we have everything we need, God's divine power, to experience life to the full and godliness. But are we seeing this life in our Christian homes? No. Are we not really seeing brokenness, strife? Again, you've heard me say, too many Christians saying, hanging in there. We're not experiencing this life. Part of it is because we have expected the preacher to tell us what the Word of God says. We've expected the teacher to tell us what the Word of God says. Peter is speaking to believers here and he says, I want you to make every effort. That means turn this off. Hit the red X. Make every effort to dive in. To what you've already been given. Years ago, when I was preaching at First Baptist in the Atlantic, I preached a, a series of messages from Corinthians. And at one point, I got to the spiritual gifts. And that Sunday, under God's direction, I had taken the time, with my wife's help, to make a whole bunch of presents. And we had put something in a box, wrapped them all up beautifully in wrapping, and no one knew it. They were off, hidden on a cart on the side covered up with a, with a cloth. But at that point in the beginning of the message, I got up, went over to that cart, took the cloth off, and all of a sudden you saw this cart full of beautiful presents. And I went around with this rolly cart like a, like a, um, a stewardess on an airplane. <laughs> Sorry, airline attendant. Uh, and, uh, but, and I passed out gifts. To a bunch of people all over the sanctuary some of you probably remember that when we did this um, if you don't you were sleeping if you were there that Sunday but, but what I told everybody was this at a certain point in the message I'm going to have you open your gift there is something in there and whatever's in there is yours you can take it home so then I preached begin to preach my message on spiritual gifts and I'd say y'all ready to open your presents and they'd go yeah and I'd say not yet hold it in your lap and I made them just sit there with it in your lap, and then I preached another 10 minutes. And then after a while, I'd say, You guys ready to open your presents? They're like, Yeah, not yet. I'll, I'll tell you when that's gonna happen. And I did this throughout the message. Finally, at the end of the message, I said, Are you They were like chomping at the bit to open. And inside, there were gifts in there, but also around the gift was a list of a different spiritual gift at the same time. But what I was doing that to prove was this. They had in front of them a present, and they couldn't wait to find out what was there. The Bible here is saying to us, folks, that everything we need for life and godliness is already there. You have to believe it enough to want to dig in. Don't read your Bible because God will be mad if you don't. Don't read your Bible because it's your daily duty. Don't read your Bible so you can pat yourself on the back and feel better and feel like you're a better Christian than yesterday when you didn't. Don't read your Bible because you're afraid someone's going to ask you if you did. Read your Bible because you believe that this is a treasure trove of promises. You see that he says that here. Promises. Through these, verse 4, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature that's already in you and escape the corruption in the world causing evil desires. Folks, I, and this isn't to, 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 to make anybody feel bad. This isn't to say anything except this. The reason why most of us don't experience this life in godliness is because we don't take the time to really go here and let God reveal to us what is available to us. If you're missing out, it's because you're not diving into the word. Now, that doesn't mean if you dive into the word, you're not going to have any problems in your life. No, the Bible says the righteous man will have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Psalm 34 talks about that. In this life, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In me, you'll have peace. Folks, this book is full of promises. And you know and I know that there are people that you know who live in this book and they Go through the same stuff you and I do, yet they have peace and joy. And you see God's blessing in his hand on their life. Are you sitting there going, oh, man, I wish that was mine. Well, stop sitting back and waiting for someone to tell you what's here. Open it up. Open it up. We don't even need to talk about the lack of godliness that's rampant in our churches today. Go to Colossians chapter 2. I already read to you verses nine and ten, but I want to read to you verses one through ten. Colossians chapter two, verses one through ten. Listen closely what Paul says to the church there. He says, "I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those that Laodicea. We know about Laodicea, don't we? And for all who have not met me personally, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here we go. See it again. You understand why this study on knowledge is such a hard one. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, remember that's by faith, continue to live in him by faith, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. See, I'll be honest with you, that's why I have a hard time sometimes trying to use a human illustration. Because sometimes our human illustrations take more precedent than the scriptures themselves. And we start thinking, well, it works this way in the world, but the Bible sometimes says it doesn't work that way in the spiritual world. They understand the danger of someone giving you a good human illustration. See to it that verse 8 again, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority." You know, if you ever tried to sell me something, you're going to find out something about me. If I want it, I will go look for it and I will get it and then I'll leave. By the way, I'm the master male shopper. I don't price check. I don't compare ounces unless my wife is given very specific instructions. But when I want to get something, my mindset is this, I know what I want, I'm going to go get it, I'm going to find it, and I don't want to be the first one out the door. It's a conquest for me. But there are also businesses out there who thrive on calling you to say, would you like what we have? Would you like what we have? You get those phone calls too, don't you? They don't enjoy it when I answer the phone. Because... My attitude is if I wanted it, I'd go looking for it. The fact that you're calling me already puts you in a bad light because now I'm not interested. And I had one person say, well, how would you even know what we have unless we called you? I seem to be fine without it now. I'll be fine without it again tomorrow. Thank you very much. But the thing is this, my attitude is this. I, I didn't sit here feeling like I was lacking anything. I'm good. And you need to have that mentality when it comes to Jesus. You're good. you got Jesus. Now, I don't want that to just be preachy words. I don't want us to just go, yeah, that's right. No, no, no. I want you to really become confident in resting in the fact that if there's anything you need, you can go to Jesus and He will, because everything you need is already there, He will give it to you. That's what appropriate means. That's a word better than Dukes I like. Let's go with yours, Rita. Go to Colossians chapter. It might not even be better, but I'm just going to say it is because I like you. I like you better than Duke. Go to Colossians 3. Listen to Colossians 3. Now listen closely to what Paul's saying here. Since then you you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Not only is Christ in you and God's in you, you're in God. And someone often we sit there and say, God, where are you? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge. Oh there's that word again. In the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore as God's chosen people. Holy. Dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. By the way, that's all of them, isn't it? With gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or action or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, how come Paul, who says that we've already got fullness in Christ, is telling them that they have to put this stuff off and put this other stuff on? Because you're still in the flesh flesh and it's a daily struggle and you have to choose what you're going to live out of. Are you going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil every day? Or are you going to eat from the tree of life, which is Jesus every day? Do you realize that's what you're choosing? Am I going to do it on my own, on what I think is best, or am I going to do it according to Jesus and who he is? And folks, that's going to be a daily struggle for you. That's why Peter says, you've already got it all, but you're going to need to make every effort to put into practice and add to what you've already been given, what is already there. But how do I add it? You pull it up out of the toy box, if you will, and you start living with that knowledge, that understanding. Now, time-wise, I really don't have time to really get into this, but I want to point out one last thing, and we'll, we'll pick this up next week. There's more in this verses here. I don't want to jump to verse 5 too soon. But look at, I'm going to read it to you again, and I want to see what jumps out to you. His, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, these promises are accessing them or appropriating them. You may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter uh, five, verse 16. So I say walk in the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live with Christ in charge and you're going to be fine. But look at what he says here, and we'll deal with this in much more detail next week. It says, God has called us by his own glory and goodness. What we're going to do next week is we're going to really take a look at God's glory and God's goodness. Sorry, did I say next week? Thank you. Two weeks. Two weeks. Next week I won't be here. But in two weeks we're going to take a look at God's glory and his goodness. I think part of the reason why some of us don't appropriate, don't dig in, don't access, don't add to our faith knowledge. Because I think some of us are still afraid of God. I have to be honest with you. I am sometimes. You know, as I've been sensing the spirit of God within me saying, Jim, I've got more for you. I've been sometimes hearing the enemy whisper and say, yeah, but that more might be painful. That more might cause you to lose some of the comfort that you have. You ever had those thoughts? Mm -hmm. You sense the spirit of God calling you to a a deeper understanding of what was there and what is available to you. And you're afraid. We're going to look next time we meet at the fact that, no, he's called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything, even if it looks scary, is good. Everything, even if it looks scary, is good. I'm going to wrap up with Psalm 34. And I can't even wait to get to when we get to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. We'll have to wait until two weeks from now. Psalm 34 Verse eight and following will be what we wrap up with tonight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Isn't that interesting? How does, how does David challenge us to find out that God's good? How does he, how does he word it? Seek. Seek. seek, taste. Taste and see. It's there. Take a bite. Access. Appropriate. I'm going to come up with a better word. Partake. Partake. That's pretty good too. Every new word I like better than the old one. But folks, you've been given fullness in Jesus Christ. And I know you don't understand what that means and neither do I. But that's what the passage is telling us is that we don't understand. Understand the fact that you have it. That doesn't mean you understand it. But now we have been given the privilege of taking the time to daily... Dig, read, pray, meditate on these promises, and then live as if they're true. And when you do, you will participate in the divine nature that's already within you. And you will start to experience the supernatural God Himself give you power to live this life that we have in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the turmoil. I was sharing with somebody just recently a little bit of what all has been going on in our life over the last month, a few months since Christmas. And things just continue and we don't need to go there. But this individual, and I only told him half of what was going on, said, how are you not overwhelmed? And I could honestly look at them and say, I was until I really get him to understand that Jesus, when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just focus on today. He knew what he was talking about. Amen. And folks, I can't explain it to you in any other way. If you were to ask me to list for you all the stuff that is still hanging out there that might not happen. And the problems that could occur if they all do. But I really am okay. I really, really am okay. And it's just simply because. I'm experiencing the truth of what he's promised, and I want you to experience the truth of what he's promised, and I can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. Notice Peter didn't say, come to my house, and I'll put hands on you, and you'll receive this. He didn't say that, did he? No, he said, I want you to make every effort to add to what you've been given, these things, and you'll find out how they tie in with what we've already received. Let me pray for us. Father. Father. Again, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to come. And Lord, I know it's been hard tonight for us to wrestle with this word knowledge. And and it's hard, especially because in our English language, as Bill's pointed out, uh, we're kind of sloppy. And we use one word to mean five or six different things. But Lord, at the same time, you are able to give us understanding. May we just understand tonight that we have fullness in you. Whether we understand full knowledge or whatever that means, Lord, may we understand that we have been given everything we need for what you want for us already through our salvation, through Jesus Christ. Father, forgive us for thinking in those times that you wanted us to dig in those times you wanted us to pursue and to seek you and to seek your word and to seek your promises and to act in faith. Forgive us for thinking that we just needed another experience. Oh, Lord, you bless us sometimes with your presence. You bless us sometimes with experiences. But the reality of who you are comes by obedient faith to what you've already given us and what you've already written. And so, Lord, may there be people in this room who hunger so much for you and your word and your truth that they surpass the teacher in their hunger to read this book.